Crossing family, I am so glad that you guys are here today. Are you pumped to be at church? That away. Oh, I love you. To, I want to welcome all of our different locations, those of you watching online and inside. God bless you. We have an incredible weekend of ministry ahead of us. And then this upcoming weekend, Super Bowl weekend, the third highest attended weekend at our church every single year is upon us. I don't want to have to do this, but I think it's important uh, that I do because I think sometimes you guys doubt my pastoral powers. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I said this. We, are gonna, uh, we were going to try and bring in uh, a Kansas City Chiefs player that's on the roster presently, but they'll be playing in the Super Bowl this year. If you know, you know. I'll be reading palms after the service for 25 bucks. And if you guys want to know what the lottery numbers are, let me know. It is going to be an incredible weekend to bring your friends and family. We're bringing in Steve Weatherford, a uh, former NFL player, big fitness guy, a guy who fell in love with Jesus and is telling people all across the country about him. It will be a great weekend for you to bring friends, family, and neighbors. We are also going to be participating in the Frigid 5K, our first ever 5K, my second ever 5K. And I'll, ooh. okay, listen, here's why we're doing it. Not because we're workout freaks, although I am. Uh, not because we want to get out in the cold, because we already live in a bad place. The reason we're doing it is because we are raising money to rescue and rehabilitate those who are in sex trafficking. And we've got two great ministry partners that we're going to be directing all of the funds toward. And there is a spot for every single one of you to participate. You can run it. You, I don't care if you bike it. You can roll it. You can, I don't care. You can crawl it. Or you can just be there and serve people while they do it. But there is a spot for everybody. And I want us to come together, make a memory together, and ultimately make a difference together. I also want to tell you this. If you are here for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, at any point in time during this message, you can click on the QR code in front of you. You can get connected to our church. You can sign up for the 5K. You can get more information about how to take your next steps what I want to do before I jump into the message, I want to spend just a little bit of time in prayer for the ministry that is ahead of us. Would you guys do that? God, only you know what could happen in a person's life next weekend. God, you're the only one who knows the power of an invite, the power of a little bit of boldness, the power of a little bit of courage on our part. God, that you could take that small seed of faith and you could absolutely change a family tree. God, I pray that you would help us as a church be ready to love and welcome and care and encourage. God, I pray that we would never lose sight of the fact that your sacrifice forever changed us. But it's not just for us. It's for every person we will ever meet. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, today marks the end of this sermon series, There Has to Be a Place. And I've been beating you up on this spiritual spectrum that our church exists for absolutely everybody on this spiritual spectrum. People who absolutely, absolutely hate God and people who think they look like him. It is for everybody, which means that this is a church for you. And our job is to help people, no matter where they're at, move from left to right. And we started off talking about there has to be a place that is committed to reaching the lost and making disciples. And then we said there has to be a place that believes that Jesus still changes people. Don't ever let Satan get you into the stinking thinking that God is still not at work, still changing lives, still reorienting people's eternity. And then we said there has to be a place 
that is committed to using the gifts that God has given them to make a difference in people's lives and joining him in his glorious mission. And then we said there has to be a place that's committed to biblical community because you were not meant to live alone. God's plan was for you to be in community with others so you can be a refuge for them and they can be a refuge for you. And then last week, we talked about there has to be a place that joyously gives to advance the mission. And the whole reason we're doing this is because we want to make this place right here, all 10,795 square miles. This, I don't even know what this looks like. It'll be a great tattoo for somebody. This place right here, the hardest place on planet Earth to get to hell from. And it is going to require absolutely every single one of us to make it happen. Today, I titled my message, Let's Dig. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's dig. I don't like digging. Right? I get it. Back in October of 20, or yeah, back in October, I was doing some Bible reading, and I ended up going down a really weird rabbit hole. However, at the end of that rabbit hole, I found something that was incredibly spiritually moving for me. Uh, it was so moving, I took our elders through it at our elders retreat. I took our staff through it. We had a, a special gathering at the beginning of the year, and I took that group of people through it. And today, I'm ex incredibly excited to share it with you. Uh, the rabbit trail I went down is where are all the times in the Bible where it talks about digging? And there's a, a couple, like, highlight reels. It doesn't show up that all that often, but there's a couple highlights. Oh, one is Matthew chapter 25, where people dig out of fear. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability, then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Instead of leveraging what he had been given for a greater purpose, he hid it. He dug a hole to bury it and protect it and preserve it. He wanted to take the gift that had been given to him and give it back to his master in perfect mint condition. But that is not at all how God wants you to use the gift that you have he wants us to be the kind of people that have dirty knees and calloused hands, that our gifts have some nicks in them because we've used them for his glory. God would rather you try something and fail on his behalf than have a perfect track record of never trying anything and never failing at all. Another reason people dig in scripture is they dig for stability. Uh, look at this one, Luke chapter 6. Why do you call, this is Jesus talking, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You guys know those kind of people. People who say they believe in Jesus, but don't act anything like him. Those people look a lot like us, right? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words 
They were at church. They were sitting right next to you. Hands were up during worship. And does not put them into practice. It's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Come here. There are people out there who will tell you that once you find a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will have no storms. Those people are idiots. Now listen, you avoid some storms as a Christian. No doubt about it. You avoid some, but you do not avoid them all. The difference is, for the believer who digs down deep, the storms can come. The wind can blow. The rain can fall. The floodwaters can rise. And when the storm is over, because no storm lasts forever, when the storm is over, the Christian is still standing. In 2023, you will have a storm hit you. And those who dig down deep and put the words of God into practice in their life, they will have a firm foundation. And after the storm's over, they will still be standing. When you dig down deep in prayer, when you dig down deep in your reading, in your service, into your community, you are laying a foundation, not just for you, but for all who will find refuge with you. Another one of the reasons why people dig in scripture is Mark chapter two. They dig for people who don't know Jesus yet. Look what happens. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him, the paralyzed man, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, this is really interesting, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm praying that we would be the kind of church that would dig a hole in a roof to get people to Jesus. That we would do whatever it takes to help lost people find their way home to their heavenly father. That we would be the kind of church that would invite people, pray for people, be kind to people, say we'd pick them up and bring them, say we'd take them out to eat afterwards and let them ask questions, invite them into our lives, and ultimately invite them into a relationship with Jesus. That we'd be the kind of people that would dig by serving to make sure that their needs are met. The kind of church that would dig and be ready when they show up to receive them. The kind of people that dig by being the leader of a biblical community, to journey with them, to love them, and to lead them closer to Jesus. There's gotta be a church that's willing to dig. Then there's the story of Elijah. There's another interesting one. Uh, this is when he's on Mount Carmel. And uh, he's against 450 prophets of Baal. There had been a drought. It hadn't rained for three years, which resulted in a severe famine. And the people of God were no longer calling on God. Uh, they were worshiping a false god. And so Elijah issued a challenge. He said, you guys call on your god, and I'm going to call on mine. 
and whichever God sends down fire and sets the sacrifice that we've made aflame, he will be the real God. So the false prophets went and they got a bull and they made an altar and they, they set it on a pile of wood and they began praying. They started praying in the morning and they prayed all the way till noon and not a word from God. They went from noon until midday, from midday till evening, and not once did the God that they were crying on issue a word or answer by fire. Then it was Elijah's turn. He told them to build an altar with 12 stones and set a bowl upon it. Then he dug a trench all the way around the altar. And he ordered them to take four large jars Fill them with water that hasn't rained in three years. They're in the middle of a famine. And he says, fill four large jars of water and pour it on the altar. So they did. And then he said, do it again. And they did. And then he said, do it a third time, and they did. And the water ran down the bowl, down the wood, down the stones, and it filled the trench that he had dug in the dirt. First Kings chapter 18. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Here we see Elijah dig for faith. Long after this moment, not long after it, God opened up the heavens and the rain started to fall from the sky. Elijah dug a hole in the ground knowing that it, nothing is impossible with God. That not only could God answer by fire, but he could restore all the water that was poured out and then some. Elijah dug for faith. He believed that God still moved, still heard prayers, and that at a moment's notice, God could turn any situation around. However, the one that got me, I haven't even got to my sermon, the one that got me was an obscure one. In Genesis chapter 33, we find these words. After Jacob came from Padam Aram, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped within sight of the city. For a hundred pieces of silver, he bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. There he set up an altar and called it El Elohe, Israel, the mighty one of Israel. You're like, Clayton, that's the first verse that really doesn't talk about digging. Well, um, you need to fast forward to John chapter 4. Look what happens here in John chapter 4. This is talking about Jesus. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, 
And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews, which is Jesus, do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would not have asked him and he would not have given you, or he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all of his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this was the piece that got me all twisted up. Jacob bought a piece of land and he dug a well. And for 1,800 years, people drank from it. He drank from it. His livestock drank from it. And for 18 centuries, anybody who was thirsty could go to the well that he dug and get something to drink. Fathers and sons would fight the heat of the day at Jacob's well. Mothers and daughters, friends and neighbors would gather together and get the sustenance they needed to get through each day at a well that was dug 1,800 years before. It was a deep well. She was right. It was 40 meters deep. 120 feet into the ground, Jacob dug a well. And 1,800 years later, Jesus sits down at the very well that he dug and turns a woman's life around. So I went and got myself a, a garden spade. And I wrote something on it. That I want to be the kind of person that digs today so other people can drink tomorrow. I want to be the kind of church, I want to be the kind of person that's willing to do the hard work, the dirty work, the digging down deep work, so that for generations other people can find the living water that only God can give. That every time I invite somebody, I'm turning a little bit of dirt. Every time that I serve at the church, I move a little bit of dirt. Every time I'm in community and I make an investment in somebody, in their life and in the direction and the spiritual formation of who they are and who are they be, they're becoming, I'm moving a little bit of dirt. I'm digging today because you never know who's going to need a drink tomorrow. That every time I give, I'm putting my shovel into the ground. Well, listen, I, I've got the living water in my heart, but there's just too many people that don't. That every time I read my Bible and I, and I put a little bit of it, into practice, I'm giving myself a little bit of water that I can disperse to my friends and my family members. 
that when someone goes through a hard time in their life and they're navigating challenging circumstances in there and their soul is parched, that I would be in a position that can give them just a little bit of living water. But listen, if you start digging, you're going to look weird. I wonder how long it took him. How long would it take you to dig a hole 120 feet into the ground? I wonder how many times he was digging and he was wondering, am I ever going to hit water? But he just kept digging because he knew that one day somebody would need something to drink. I want us to be a church, every single one of us, who's okay with looking a little weird. Our calendars are going to look a little different. Our spending habits are going to be a little different. Our giving habits are going to be different. Our weekly activities are going to look different. Our priorities are going to be different. And people are going to be like, why are you doing what you're doing? Well, you're going to tell them because I'm digging. I'm digging today so other people can drink tomorrow. If you want to know what this looks like, uh, there's a video that perfectly captures it.
I am not playing around. Quit crying. That commercial's a big pharma commercial. All they're trying to do is give you some vitamins. I'm not playing around. Isn't that who you want to be? Deep down inside, doing something that matters. Who is the picture? Who is the picture? Who's the person that would motivate you to dig down deep? There's going to be a lot of people, a lot of people who are going to spend their entire lives focused on themselves. But there has to be a church. There has to be a church that's willing to dig there's going to be a lot of people who are going to spend all their money on themselves, but there has to be a place that's willing to dig. There has to be a place that's willing to dig down deep so other people can drink tomorrow. I'm asking you. Uh, listen, I'm asking you, not, not for me. I'm asking you for you to be a part of a church, to be a part of making a place that digs down deep so other people can drink tomorrow. I feel like the only way to finish this sermon series is to finish it the way we began it. Hello. I was an inmate in Vandalia, Missouri. I was released on January 21st, 2022. I want to take a little bit of your time to tell you thank you. Thank you to the amazing people who came to Vandalia every Monday night to allow me to hear God's word and guidance. You all saved my heart, mind, and soul and helped me so very much by helping me to reach out to God for help. I was an extremely broken, shattered person from the life choices I had made and from the cards that were dealt to me. I still remember the first time I went to service in 2019. I liked the service so much, but when I was only able to attend two services because I was transferred. Then I came back for the fourth time, but COVID was going on, so you all were not allowed in the camp. On November of 2021, they allowed you back, and when I was asked by another offender about the service, I was like, why not? Nothing better to do on a Monday night. The first service was, of course, amazing, with the music, the sermon, and the communion. I liked it enough I was going to keep going because of the service on Mondays, because I was always told you don't give up on the miracle because you never know when it will occur. I've had a very roller coaster relationship with Jesus ever since my mother was murdered in 1999 when I was 17 years old. At 41 years old, I made the decision to continue to attend. I had no idea exactly when it happened, but the band played Battle Belongs, and I knew something was happening because I got cold chills and my eyes filled up with tears. Let me explain why that's important. I've not cried tears of any type since 1999. It was hardened when my mother passed away in 99. 20 years later in 2019, I was completely frozen. My heart and soul ceased to exist when the one person in my life who had raised me and believed in me, my grandmother, passed away six days after I was released the first time from MODOK. Then in July of 2019, six months after my grandmother died, my best friend Brittany passed away from an overdose. That was the final straw. I froze everything in me so I would never in my life have to feel the pain of a truly broken heart. Obviously, I don't deal with my emotions, so what tricks does the devil give us to stop that broken heart? Well, he gave us crystal meth, cocaine, heroin, and now fentanyl. I fell for those tricks. And when my heart broke back in 99, the devil's tricks actually worked for the physical pain because I was numb. So my choice every time I was hurting would be to turn to drugs over and over. I was definitely living a life of insanity. 
This past year when I was locked up, I decided I was done with drugs and I was finally ready to move, remove all the negativity inside of my heart and soul. I turned to the crossing sermons on Monday nights as a stepping stone. At first I thought nobody could possibly understand or relate to the extreme pain and hurt that was frozen inside of me screaming to be released out, but I had frozen it. Then all of a sudden I felt him. I felt God run through my veins and my heart started to beat with hope and faith and then came the tears and I realized that I had never been alone that he was always with me. The footprints prayer came that people talk about described to me. He has carried me all these years because I couldn't walk on my own because I was so broken and shattered. Now at 41 years old, for the first time I picked up a Bible and I read it. I've always heard about the story of Jesus' birth and death, but to actually sit there and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John opened my eyes and heart to see what God really did for me, for all of us. I even watched the History Channel show Easter weekend called The Bible, and I cried. I cried real tears as I watched what he was put through so that my sins could be forgiven. Everything that happened since I got locked up in 21, I don't believe would have happened if I had not decided to go to your sermons in November. As I stated before, they kick-started my intimate personal relationship with God. I now not only know but believe 100% that nothing is bigger than God and that I am never alone. He's always there. I just have to make the choice to listen, to open up my heart and soul and listen for his guidance and love to embrace me. So again, thank you. Hopefully with my openness and acceptance of Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I will never have to go back through the doors of Missouri Department of Corrections. All I want in life is true happiness, peace, and serenity between the ears. And when I close my eyelids, and I have faith that it will occur. I definitely plan to continue watching your services online. I now live in St. Charles, Missouri, so it's a long drive for me to go to Quincy. But one day, when I have a driver's license and a legal vehicle, I will be there at the crossing, and I'll be baptized, declaring my surrender, love, faith, hope, and belief that Jesus is my Savior and died so I could live with him in heaven. I can almost promise that if it had not been for the crossing in Vandalia, I would have gone back to my old life of drugs, misery, hopelessness, praying that when my eyes would shut, they would never open up. Now I smile. I'm happy. I love again. I laugh and everything is genuine and not fake, and it's all because they were brought into my life. I pray that you receive this and it puts a smile on your face because you helped save a soul that was lost and dying in misery all alone. Everyone I talk to since I got out say they love how happy and full of faith, which would not have happened if you had not guided me back to Jesus. Well, there's a bunch of us that were kind of like, well, you don't need to wait until you have a car, and you don't need to wait until you have a driver's license. We'll pick you up. time she's been a part of our church and she's here today drinking the free water of Jesus Christ 
because you chose to dig yesterday. So in front of all these people, your church family, all across this region, 10,000 miles wide, I want to ask you, I want you to repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I want him. And I want him. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. It's because of your confession of faith. It's because of your That I have the privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, Crossing family. There has to be a church. There has to be. There has to be a church that is willing to dig today so other people can drink tomorrow. And I say that church is here. I say that church is with us. And I say it's now. We're moving to a time of decision. There are, there are people in this room right now. You've never stepped into that relationship with Jesus before. There's people online right now. You've never said yes to him. You've never surrendered your life. If you're honest, you've been living life for yourself. How you want to live it. And you have to understand something. That this church, there's probably people in your life. And they've been digging hard. They've been digging hard. Maybe for a moment such as this, for you to hear that you are loved, and that you're accepted, and that that, because of what Jesus has done for, for us, for what he's done for you, that you can be called a child of God. For those of you, you've never started that relationship with Jesus. Man, that can change today. Maybe, maybe Jennifer's story will just encourage you a little bit that God is writing a very special story in your life. You may be like, no, 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 you don't know my story. You don't know my history. You don't know what I'm going through right now. How can God love me? Listen, there are so many testimonies. You just heard an incredible one. There are testimonies down your rows right now. There are testimonies of people who are watching online who just says, listen, it's not about what you've done. It's about who you trust in. And today, man, you can start walking in that relationship with him. You can say yes to him for the very first time in just a little bit. Man, the worship's going to start. And it is an opportunity for you. Man, here's the first step. To come up to these steps. Get down on your knees and just cry out to your Savior. I need you. I need you. I don't want to live life on my own terms anymore. And maybe you have questions about what your next step is. Maybe your next step is getting in those waters of baptism tonight. And there's going to be someone right by the baptistry that would love to help answer those questions. And for those who have been digging for you, man, they're going to rejoice. There's people in this, this auditorium right now, people who are watching online. We've been digging for an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. And that story can change tonight in an instant. But it starts with you. And I'm hoping that you will take that step. For us who have relationship with Christ, for those of us who, who've walked into that relationship, it's time to dig deep. It's time to dig deeper than we've ever dug before. It's time to dig deeper in our word. 
to have that time during the week where we don't just get fed scriptures here at church, but we say, man, I want to take God's word and I want to place it in my heart and I want the, the word of God to transform me. I want those words that are coming from the pages to come alive in my life and I want to do something about it. You dig deep, just stick it in the ground and just start digging. There's other of you, man, you're just like, you've been coming to this church for so long and those chairs are comfortable, I get it. They're comfortable. For the, for the most part, this, this auditorium is heated correctly. Sometimes it's too hot. Sometimes it's too cold. I get it. You're comfortable. But it's time for you to start digging a little bit deeper. It's time for you to use the gifts God has equipped you with to make sure people know and can hear this same message that you have heard that has rescued you, who has saved you. And there's some of you been, you used to dig a little bit deeper. You used to serve. But I get it. It was a season and Right now, if you would walk into your garage, you'd just see your shovel just hanging in the garage. You remember the fruit that God was doing through you. You see evidence of it, but for some reason, you just put it up on the garage and just to hang there, maybe till later. Maybe tonight's the night where you say, not anymore. I'm taking that shovel, and I'm, I'm digging a little bit deeper. Maybe it's community. You stepped away from a community or you've never stepped into that biblical community. You've never stepped into a life group, a men's group, a women's group. And you're just like, man, I need that community. I have, I have friends. I have family. But I need to dig deeper. I need to get in that community. I need to dig deep. Maybe tonight's the night where you're just like, listen, I heard that. But I walked out of the sermon and I didn't respond. Tonight's the night you dig deep. It could be that in giving as well. When you give to this church, you're digging deep. You're investing in eternities. You are a part of Jennifer's story. You are part of this, the stories that are happening all over this region, all over this world. We dig deeper. And the reason we dig today, we may not see it. We may not see it right away. But we dig today so others can drink tomorrow. That's the mission of this church. We want people to understand that they can have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. And so what do we do? What's our response? We dig deep. And we dig on behalf of the people that don't know him yet. And maybe in this moment, you have somebody that is on your mind. You've been digging. You've been trying to prepare the ground for the Lord to do what, he, what only he can do. And there's just so much on your mind and so much on your heart right now that maybe in this moment, as a believer, you come up and you start praying on behalf of them. You dig deep in the prayer side of things. And you just maybe call their name out, out loud for the first time and just say, man, I'm praying, Lord, that you would do something in their life. Use me. Man, use the people around them to dig deep. We dig today so others can drink tomorrow. I believe that this is the church. I believe you are the people. I believe this is the time. But we don't know that until we start picking up this shovel and start digging together. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to go in this time of response and I'm praying that we move, that we respond, and that we trust what God has for us in the future. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the this, this message you have put on our pastor's heart. God, that it not only goes on his heart, but it transcends all of our hearts. That this is not just our pastor's heart. Jesus, this is your heart. You want more of us. You want a fully surrendered heart to you, Jesus. And I pray right now that we, as we leave this place, God, so many people in this region are going to see holes all around it. They're going to be like, what in the world is going on? 
It's because you're stirring in the minds, you're stirring in the hearts of these people right here who are gonna go out and they're gonna dig deep. God, I pray that we are not a church that just stands still. We're a church that responds and we humbly come before you right now and ask for you to go before us and to give us directions on where to dig. God, let us do that right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.